This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Most of us are smart enough people that when we start hearing a story, we sort of could get to the middle or very often we conclude the story before the person who's telling us the story is able to tell us the ending. There's very few things in this world that actually shock us. But there was a little trend that I was noticing recently, and it really perked up a very important question, which I think begs a really important answer. And through that, maybe we could give a little bit of an insight into one of the things that successful couples implement into their lives. I was at a wedding, and the dancing was crazy. There were guys jumping and dancing like they were breaking it down in a way that I never saw before at a Jewish wedding. So I was at this wedding and I see a very prominent Rosh Hashiva go over to these guys and he lost it. He started screaming and yelling and he's like, this is not the way to dance. You dance in a circle. And he just started screaming at them. And okay, the dancing got back underway and everything was fine. The next week, I'm at a wedding, same group of guys, and they're dancing crazy. And a different Rosh Hashiva is there. And this Rosh Hashiva jumps into the middle and starts breaking it down along with all of his his Talmidim, his, his students. He just went crazy with them. And he's wearing his frock and his up hat, and he's just dancing, like, going absolutely wild. And I came home from that second chasana, and I said to my wife, I said, this is so interesting. Because it was two exact same stories with two very different outcomes. On the first one, the Rosh Hashim was screaming and yelling at them. And the second one, he throws himself into the mix and he's dancing along with these guys as if he's one of the guys. And I said to my wife, which one do you think is the correct response? Is it, is it, you're supposed to yell at these guys? Are you supposed to dance with them? Like, like what, what's the right answer over here? And then it dawned on me that this is really something which we encounter every day of our lives. You, you hear a story of a, of a, of a Rav who gets up at, at six o'clock in the morning and he starts his day and he's, by eight o'clock he already learned for an hour and a half and he gives his dafyami and then he goes to his kail and he gives his share in his kail and his day is up from the crack of dawn. That's one Rav. And he's very meticulous. He goes to sleep at nine thirty at night and, and he gets his, his few hours of sleep and that's one person. And then you hear a story of a Rav who's a big tzaddik who gets up in the morning and does all of his hachanas and he puts on his gartel and he shakes it an hour before he goes to davening and then he goes to the mikvah and then he davens at a minion at 10 o'clock in the morning and he has his, his, his group of, of, of people who, who daven with him and you might hear a story of a Rav who davens and he's, he goes through the words so quickly because he loves the words of davening. And he davens in three minutes, Shemesre. And then another person who he loves Hashem and he davens Mincha for, for 35 minutes is his stillish Esre. Wh- which one is right? Which one is right? Am I supposed to get up at six in the morning or ten in the morning? Am I supposed to daven for three minutes? Or am I supposed to daven for 30 minutes? How does a person put this idea, you know, like we say, two Jews, three opinions, how do we put this into perspective? Especially when we're dealing with having a rub, a guiding light, a mentor who we're looking up to, to tell us this is the way that you're supposed to live your life. And then all of a sudden you see, there's actually two different paths over here, 
which are very, very different. 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. is a very big difference. 3 minutes and 30 minutes for Shemar Nashri is a very big difference. Yelling at guys who are dancing and dancing along with them is a very big difference. And how do we understand this? It's almost like a contradiction within the people who are supposed to be guiding us, as in, this is the path. And then you say, well, wait a minute, I see there's another path here, which could also be working for me. So how do we choose which one works? I was recently reading a story. The story goes that Rabbi Kiva Eger, who is known to be extremely, extremely poor, Rabbi Kiva Eger had two Talmidim who came to him for smicha. And these two Talmidim sit down and they get their bechina. And he tests this one, and he tests this one, and he's happy with both of them. And he says to them, Rabbi Yisai, Mazel Tov, I'm now going to give you smicha. So excited, let's go celebrate. So he goes into the other room, and he says, okay, what do we have to celebrate? In Rabbi Kivager's house, there's nothing to be found. So he's looking and looking and looking, and he finds there's a little bit of schnapps, and there's a few eggs, hard-boiled eggs. So Rabbi Kivager says, good, this is going to be our little simcha over here. You guys got smicha, Mazel Tov, we're going to celebrate with some eggs and some some eggs and some whiskey, some schnapps. So he turns to his new Rabbanim, his new Talmidim, who are now, you know, getting smicha, and he says, here's your first shayla. Which bracha do you make? Do you make a bracha on first? Which one do you eat first? They're both shahakal. Do you eat the whiskey first, or do you, do you eat the egg first? And he was expecting them to come, you know, with the sogya of chaviv and achaviv and all these things. He says, which one do you eat first? So one of the Talmidim, as a joke, he says... You make a bracha on the egg first. So he says, why? So he says, eh, because the Pasuk says, V'ha'ai mikadem. V'ha'ai in Yiddish, I is an egg. Mikadem comes first. So the Pasuk in Barashas, which talks about, you know, V'ha'ai mikadem, the, the city named I. V'ha'ai mikadem, you make a bracha on the egg first. And Rabbi Kiva Eger looks at him in the eye. And he says, you just made a joke? And he says, yeah, yeah. You don't get smicha. Well, you don't get smicha. That's the end of the story. Now, when I was reading the story, I was like, whoa, I could have seen a very different ending over here. I could see a Rav saying, ah, oh, you have pichas, you're smart, you, you have a sense of humor, there's something to you, you're, you're deep, you came up with the pasuk like this in a second. But Rukhivegar didn't go with that. Rukhivegar just said, made a joke, no smicha. And when I read the story, I said, like, I, that was a little harsh. I mean, that's Rebekah Vager. And is that, is that the way that we're supposed to, like, what are we supposed to learn from the story? Is that how we're supposed to, like, like a certain rigidness? That was Rebekah Vager. And you could hear almost the story having a completely different ending. That, that another Rebbe would say, that was, that was so smart. You're going to do great in Kirov. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll be an amazing campus Kirov rabbi. You'll get out there, you have these jokes, you're really witty, I could see you being very successful. And Rabbi Kivaker did not say that. You made a joke, it's over. No smicha for you. And again, the same question. Two paths. How do we know which one is the one that we're supposed to say, that's how I have to live my life? And how do we reconcile this idea that there's almost a contradiction between people who are giving us absolute guidance? I once heard one of the most powerful things that I ever heard in my life from Abbe Daniel Barron. He said this over, I forget who he said this over from, but he, he explained a very deep machshava, which for me became a very guiding staple in my own life. 
he said as follows. He said, you know, we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. He said, the word Shema has three letters. There's a Shin, a Mem, and an Ayin. Because the letter Shin, the sound Sh, is a sound which, which in a broad stroke overrides all other noises in the world. Sh. You ever notice you're in shul, somebody's talking and they go, Sh. Why Sh? Because Sh is like static. It's just the noise that overrides all other sounds in the alphabet. When you have a, a TV or a radio that's broken and you just hear it's like not working and it's getting tons of frequencies coming in at the same time, what do you hear? Shh. It's, a, it's an overriding sound which just overrides everything else. The mem, the mmm, is a very soothing, monotone sound. And the ayin is a silent sound. So what he said over was that when we say Shema, you should think to yourself that the world is comprised of a shin. There's just tremendous amount of static. There's a million stations that are trying to get my attention. There's a hundred people who if I ask them for guidance, they will tell me a hundred different paths that I can choose to live my life. I go to my Sheikhomacher, I tell her, oh, my husband's such a terrible guy. Ah, you know what you should do? You should divorce him, right? I go to get my nails done, I tell the Chinese lady, oh, my husband's such a terrible guy. Listen, you have to be, you know, a little understanding. Every person will tell you a different way in your life. That's the shin of our lives. The men is the kol de mamadaka, is that one voice that you say to yourself, this is my rav. This is my das taira. This is how I am living my life. And everything else is ayin, is still. There's nothing else. So when a couple's having an issue, and they go to the rav, and the rav says, this is how you resolve your issue, they don't then go and say to their friend, well, this is what my rav said. What does your rav say? Or what does your therapist say? Or how else do you think we could... No, no, no. You have your, your mahalach now in life, and this mahalach is it. Everything else is shut off. You turn off your radio. You turn off your friends. You don't turn to the Chinese lady who's doing your nails and say to her, well, you know, this is what my rabbi said. Do you, do you agree with him? Like, maybe you have something else. To, no. There is nobody else in your life that is able to give you insight except for the mem, the kaldam amadaka, that one sound that you keep firmly guarding your life to. The Mishnah says, you should have a rav. And everybody knows, right over there, the rav, Rabbeinu Vajim Bartanuri, he says, you have one rav, one rav, one voice, one voice who's telling you the things in your life that you need to know. Now sometimes in our lives, we're not able to find one person who's able to give us everything that we need. We can't find somebody who gives us a mahalach and learning and a shoulder to cry on and a psaq Allah. We can't find all that. So at least you have your rav for this area. You have your rav for that area. The cold of mamadaka, that one voice. And this, this contradiction almost that we have, the answer to it is very simple. Is that a person lives his life with a certain mahalach, this is how I live my life. You know, I once heard a very famous song, Mordechai Medivit song, right? Mm-hmm. 
Right? So what's the story? Hashem is ultimately going to make a big circle for the tzaddikim. And he's going to stand in the middle of them in Gan Eden. And each one of them is going to point and say, Zeh Hashem kivinu, kivinu. That's the story, right? But the question is, why is it that Hashem has to stand in the middle of a circle? Why a circle? Why doesn't he have a bunch of benches and Hashem stands in the front and he says, let's go, Be'am Hashem and Zeh Hashem Kivinu Why does it have to be in a circle? So the answer I, I once heard, I don't remember who told this to me, it's a beautiful answer. They said, because within our lives, you have the Rav who's getting up at 6 in the morning and you have the Rav who's getting up at 10 in the morning. You have the Rav who's davening a 3-minute Shemonesrei and the Rav who's davening a 30-minute Shemonesrei. And in this world, we look at these Rabbanim as though they are contradicting each other. We look at them and we say, you're saying 30 minutes and you're saying 3 minutes. You're saying be serious and you're saying say a joke. You're saying stop dancing so crazy and you're saying I'm jumping into the middle of the circle. Each rub looks like a stira. Each opinion looks like it's contradicting the other one. And the answer to that is He makes a circle so that they're all sitting there and facing each other. And this one says, hey, I thought in this world I was going north and you were going south. And I thought I was going east and you were going west. But ultimately, Zeh Hashem Kivinuloi. We're pointing at each other, but we're both pointing to the middle of the circle. And who's in the middle of the circle? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because I had my Mahalach, I respected your Mahalach. But I had my one, called Mamadaka, my voice of reason, and this is what guided my entire life. If a person is able to do this, he will find that there's no stiras. This Rav who's living his life that way, or this person who's living his life that way, or this opinion which is living their life that way, that has nothing to do with me. My Rav, my Das Taira, the person who I trust with everything in my life, he tells me this is the way to live my life. You're saying something different? That, hopefully, is going to work for you. But that has nothing to do with me. I could completely respect your opinion because this opinion hopefully is what's going to bring you the biggest hatzlacha in your life. But for me, my das taira, my rav, is going to tell me something maybe a little bit different. These stories are only, are, are only contradictory when we look at them as in being two opinions. When you have your one, this is my rav, this is my das taira, this is my koldama madaka, my voice that I listen to, this is my mem then there's nothing else. It's not a contradiction anymore. This is my way, and your way hopefully works for you as well. The Ramam in Hilchus Tshuva says, very famous Ramam, that every single person should have that person in his life, that Rav in his life, who challenges them, who's able to tell them things which go beyond what they are used to, or push them to a level beyond what they're normally used to having. And I have a friend, very good friend, he turned to his Rav and he said to his Rav, I'm thinking, I travel a lot and it's very hard for me to keep Chol of Yisrael. Is this something that I should be keeping? Should I be keeping Chol of Yisrael? I don't know, I travel so much and it's really very difficult for me, but I'm thinking maybe at this point in my life, I should be taking on Chol of Yisrael. What does the Rav think? And the Rav said to him, you know what? You should take on Chol of Yisrael. Whenever you're able to, you should. If you're really in a remote location and you can't find Chol of Yisrael, you shouldn't, but otherwise you should take on Chol of Yisrael. So this friend is talking to another friend, and he's, and he said to him, this is what my Rav told me to do. So the guy said, well, maybe the Rav didn't understand your question. So he said, why not? So he said, well, you know, because he told you you should keep Chal of Yisrael. <laughs> maybe he didn't understand your question, that you travel so much and it's very difficult for you. Maybe you should go ask a different Rav. And maybe the other Rav will tell you something else. 
And he's like, no, don't you get it? This is my Rav. This is my Rav. My Rav told me what works for me. The goal of every successful couple is that they go from having the rabbi to my rabbi. My rabbi said this. My rabbi said that. My rav told me that. My rav just gave a share. My rav just said this. That is somebody who's on a path to success. And it's not that you switch every time something becomes complicated for you or difficult for you. That you say, hey, you know what? Well, guess it's time to find another rav. What? It's time to find another opinion. No, it's not the way it works. So the reason why we have two rubs and three, three opinions is because we ask one. We don't like it. So we ask a second one and then we say, you know what, I'll just stick with what I think to do anyways. Chazal are telling us such an important lesson over here. Aseilacharav, make for yourself a rav, somebody who is going to guide you. Somebody who is going to give you the opinion that is going to completely shape your life in the way that you need it to shape it. And when you're able to do that, then what's going to happen is you're going to find tremendous success because you have your kol dumamadaka, your voice, which is completely guiding you. Everything else, the static and the noise, you're able to completely tune out. And then it's still, it's completely quiet. And when you do that, you're going to find that you're able to take your marriage to a completely different level. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.